0: You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Avram and I hope you enjoy this episode. In Sura, which was, of course, Yeshiva started by Rav, then Rav Yehuda took over, then Ravuna took over, then Rav Chista. man, that is a tremendous group of... Leaders, right? That's why Surah is such an important yeshiva. So in Surah, eventually, and the yeshiva still was around for a while, they would teach this statement that we're going to talk about in a couple of minutes. They would, st- this this sugya, they would teach it in the name of Ravchista. The Ravchista was the author of it. Pipumpadisa, which was a yeshiva that actually was Surah's. Uh, Rival. Masnum Shmei Rav Ravkahana. They said this was based on Ravkahana. I'm not sure Kahana ever was uh, a Rosh Hashiv in Pumpadisa, but the next person definitely was in Pumpadisa. The Amri way, some say it was a Rava Rova. Rova got his training in Pumpadisa. Bay and Rova are Pumpadisans. Even though uh, Abaya's Rebbe, Rav Yosef, studied in Surah, it was in Pumpadisa that. Rabba and Rabbi Yosef acted as Rosh Hashivas, and that's where Rava and Abya both study. So it's not surprising that Pumpadisa should attach it to Rava and Sura should attach it to Ravchista. So what was it that uh even though Rava had a connection to Ravchista as well he ended up marrying uh Rav Chista's daughter but Rava was a Pumpadisa man at least uh, essentially. So anyway so we have two yeshivas Pumpadisa and Surah, each one claiming ownership about this question: Man, who is the Tana that we can connect to this that the rabbis have said, Ko lo that if something is connected to it, even though it's not being used, right, as we saw in Rashi says, Kugon that we say it's called a Chibor, and that means even though it doesn't seem to be essentially part of one thing, but because these two things have been stitched and put together now, right now they are like one thing. And therefore, when tumah touches one part of it, it permeates and spreads into the other part. Who's the one who says that? Who's the Tana who says that? Minochamilse. This is what a. And of course, we saw we saw the principle yesterday on display in the Mishnah in Kalim, but there was no name attached to it. So this query, this question that was asked in the time of the Marayim was to find who is the Tana of that opinion. So that was either Huna's question or Rava or Ravkana's question. And on that, the answer was, we heard about this from who? Rabbi Yudah Amarav. It was Rav Meir. The Tanan, another Mishnah in Kalim. So there's been a lot of Kalim Mishnahs coming up here. Let's say you have a, you know, this is like the, the, the Aid oven. It's got all the great stuff in it. It's got a base It's got a place where, as you can see, it's got a base Pach where she says, You don't have to, oh. ladies, no longer do you have to go scrape around and find the oil. You have it in your oven just in a container in, in, in a section about your oven. And we call it the base HaPach. That's where you can put your oil, and your oil will get, uh, will get the right temperature that you need in order to mix it into those luscious dishes that you're trying to make for Shabbos. And our easy oven has something else too. It has a Beis HaTavlin in it. Aha! That's a place where the spices can be handy and ready for you, and you can just put them in there as soon as you want. And not only that, it's got a base on air. When you're cooking at night and you need some light, here's a little spot here to put your nair. If those are in the kira, and that's obviously the rich people would have such a kira like that. What was the din? Mitamen bimaga. The let's say something tome touches the inside of these basapachs let's say the sherets and they of course the and were dying and falling into these things the sherets would fall into these sections of this super oven so what would be that what would happen is is that if the sherets touches the the sides or the bottom of it mitamen bimaga and what's going to happen it's it's all going to be tummy. In other words, it's all going to be Tameh, all the parts of it will be Tameh, the whole oven will be tume. Hmm. But let's say the sherets only dangles in one of these sections. So then the section that it's dangling in is Tameh, but not the rest of the oven. Now let's give a little background. We know klicheres, and this is what these ovens are made of. I said it was a super oven, but it's only still only made of earthenware. Uh, an earthenware oven, no matter how uh, complicated and, and beautifully constructed it is, the tumma is only not from the outside, but the tumma is only as we're learning, and I think it's, it's going to be in uh, last week's parsha, I believe, that in parsha that's where you see that the tumma is only in the avir. Of course, if it, if it hits the ground, then it was in the avir. But here we're seeing something interesting, that the only time the Tuma connects to all these things is if it actually actually boings into the bottom or touches the sides of, the, of these containers. If that's the way it occurs, so then it's going to be Tomei Ba'avir okay? It's going to be Tame, everything's going to be, uh, I'm sorry, then it's going to spread the Tumah to all the sections. Let's read it again. <inaudible> that if the sheriff touches the sides or touches the bottom of these sections, it generates Tumah throughout. <inaudible> but if it's only in the airspace, only the, the thing where the, only the actual section of the oven that the sheritz is inserted into becomes tummy, but not those ancillary sections. Divir of Meir. Shimon Metahir. Reb Shimon says, I think it's all Tahar. So the Gemara says, hmm, let's figure out. Gemara says, Bisham Reb Shimon Shimon says, look, the other sections are not the same thing this baby might be hanging with each other but it's not all one oven it's only things that you've hap- you've soldered it or or tied it but it's not really the same kaylee and therefore it's not called a keyboard el Rav mayor where do mayor get this e kikira dummy if once you connect these things once you have them connected right um as Rashi says, So it is Mechubar. So what does the mayor hold? Does he hold this Chibur, which is obviously only a Chibur when you need to cook? It's only a Chibur that's necessary when you're actually doing your cooking. This is not the place where you keep your oil generally. Is that called a Chibur or not? If it's called a chibur, then we should consider it one oven, just like we saw before when we talked about uh, we talked about yesterday when we talked about the cleaners who who uses these, these things to connect all the pieces of clothing together. Is it considered a chibur or not? If it's kikiridomi maganami la litmu, right? I'm sorry, apiul b'magenami Litmu, then it's all like one oven. And therefore, if a sheritz is in one section of the oven, all the sections that are connected to it, even though it's only in the avir of that primary section or even the secondary section, all of them should be tummy because it's all a keli where a, a sheretz is in its avir. And if it's considered not, then where does this tumas maga come from? As I said before, tumas maga is really not what kwecheris is about. Kwecheris is about tumas avir. Really, it actually is not Minatora, one oven. But Rabbananu de The Rabbonans say we want you to treat it like it's one oven, even though these sections are connected, but not really, they don't turn it into one oven. So e Ghazrube, Ghazrubu, if the Rabunan made the Xera, I feel Nami litmu. So let it be considered complete. Let it let it be a, a rabbinical version of of, of a total keli, and therefore let tumas avir. Let's say in the central section, spread tuma everywhere, even though the dead sherets never touched the actual physical bottom of the of the oven or it says, we, it's a Rabbanan. And when the Rabbanan create things, they want to show you that it's different. Of the Rabbanan Hekera, they made it different. Because they didn't want you to think it was real Tuma. Because let's say, um, let's say the uh, the, the Sheretz was in one section. And now there's other Shemin and good stuff in, in, in one of the other container, in one of the other ancillary parts. Oh, it's tuma. I got to burn it. It's, it's and I, I, I must burn it. Uh, I can't do anything else with it. We didn't want you to do that. We don't mind if you let it rot. We don't let but we don't want you to burn kachim. We don't want you actually to actually be burning kachim based on that because there's no reason to waste it and burn it in such a way. So therefore, we, we gave you a hint by creating a type of tuma that's unnatural and doesn't fit into the usual, uh, to the usual situations of what's considered tuma and what's not. So therefore, we created a new type of Tuma, a Tumas Maga, from the inside. And a Tumas Maga from the inside is obviously Minerabonan, because no Klicheres really has Tumas Maga that has to touch the walls of, of the container. Oh, it's only Minerabonan, therefore I know not to burn in it. Okay? So anyway, but you do see, at least rabbinically, you do see, at least rabbinically, it's called a chibur, And therefore, it fits in what we saw before, the way the question started today's learning, which was, minocha uh, milsa. again, me, let's read it again. What we said, it's only rabbinically that it's considered the same thing. Okay? But it's not technically a, 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 a Tame. Rashi points out, by the way, just before we move to the next uh, section, Rashi says, if it's not even tied to it, then even though it's touching it, obviously it doesn't become Tomei because two Kaelin touching each other, a Kawi can only make Abutuma from an Abatuma. So even though the Sheretz is an Ava and it touches, let's say, one of the sections of, the, of this oven and the other thing is connected to it but not tied to it, so it's just one Kaelin touching another Kawi. and of course, that doesn't make the second Kaelin Tomei. Even in we didn't do that. So even though this is still only Mederabonin, we still put limits on it. Next, Tana Rabanan Mispireish Shal Prokim. Aha! So this is like scissors that you take apart. Misporet Shal Prokim that you're able to take apart and put together. Izemel Shor rehitni. and let's say you have an Izemel. So what's an Izemel? Izemel Shor rehitni says Rashi. Uh, Rashi says Shemachakim B'osatrisin V'noisin Abarsol Teichtfus Shal Eitz Amesukin Lo. So this is like a very, uh, like a scalpel and, 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 and that you actually, you know, you put grooves and things into the, into the, into your, into your which of course is, is, is what you use for your, um, uh, your window treatments uh, to take, take, right? So therefore you put grooves in it. So it's a very, it's, it, it isn't a, uh, like a, like a saw or a hammer. It's a very subtle instrument. So, you, but it still has metal that's sharp. That goes into it. it's a tefushei, 8, a, a crafted piece of wood, Hamasukinlo, that's made special for that uh, blade. And after you're finished with it, I guess for safety reasons and other reasons, <laughs> I don't know if it's safe or not, but you take it out of the, you take it out of its uh, 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 of its shaft. You take it out of uh, its uh, out of its container. So that is what the izemel is. Izemel was used by, uh, you know, like, like, like the, the real woodworkers when they're getting very uh, subtle and they're very, very very precise work that they're doing on the inside of the house. They use these rehitnis. Okay, so the izemel hmm, chiber lutuma. What does that mean? That means if a sheritz falls on one part of it, that even though you can't take it out, both are tummets. And they both parts have to go to the mikvah in that way. Or let's say they are in, and this we're going to see in a minute, if they're in the room of the mace, they're both considered tamay. But one second. But even though if they're the room in a mace, you have to not only wait for seven days before the kewi becomes taller, you have to sprinkle paraduma water on it. Not as far as this goes. You don't need to sprinkle paraduma on it. Let me say it better. You need to sprinkle Paraduma on both parts of it. Normally, when it's one Kaley, for example, let's say it's a human who's getting Paraduma water on him. As long as it hits part of him, it doesn't have to hit his whole body. It doesn't have to be like, you know, like Judy Karn and laughing where she got the water uh, poured on her. That's for you, Richard. The, 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 you got the water thrown straight all in her face every single time. You know, that's not the way it works. As long as it hits part of your body, that's enough. So here too, if it's considered a chibur, then why does the why does the paraduma water have to fall on both the wooden
1: part and the metal part? That tells me it's actually two caleb. Hmm. So let's read it again. and that the Gemara wants to know about this price of
0: monavshach if you're going to tell me that it's considered one item, then even when it comes to sprinkling paraduma water, landing on one is good enough. It's like the paraduma landed on your hand doesn't have to land on the, your other hand. But if it's considered really two kalim, then why, if, if, the, if the sherets touches one part, is the other part, me? so Amar Rav Rav said it's really like this, and this gets into what we talked about yesterday this item when the, when the when the woodworker is using it when the uh, when the barber puts them together, so when he 's in his job mode, then this item because of where he 's at it 's considered one keli. that 's the way it is is Minira and if it would be if, if that 's when it became tame. Then it would be then both parts would be tomei, even though only one section of the scissors was touched. <laughs> but when you stop using it, and 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 the normal person takes it apart, the barber, when he's not using him, he doesn't have a customer. He's closing up for five days or today forever, right before the next customer comes. He's going to separate those two the, those two scissor parts. He's going to put them away, and they're not going to be connected anymore. So then. If, but if, if he hasn't yet done that, they're just sitting there waiting for him to get around to it, then it's not a chibor. Ain't no chibor lo latumah, lo lazah. However, goes Rabbanan al-tumah, the Rabbanan said that even though the normal barber, the normal carpenter is ready to disconnect these two parts, the rabbis say if Tuma happens during that lazy time when he hasn't yet done it yet, the rabbis say we're going to treat it as both parts being tume. Right because if we don't say that, if, if then we're going to say, "Hey, maybe Bishas Malacha too, one being tummy doesn't make the other tummy. This is such a subtle point that we didn't and it's even subtle the way we're explaining it now that we're afraid people are not going to adjust properly, and therefore we made exeera of tuma no matter what even though technically once the barber had stopped using it and the carpenter had stopped working on the wood in the, in the precise way he was doing and it was ready to go home, it shouldn't have been tamé, both parts, if Tuma only touched one, but we were gozer, Tuma on both. And therefore, we did the gzera in a way that you realized what? That it was only the ravana, And that's why, what did we do? Uh, the gozer, Tuma on um, Tuma. And that would mean also, we, we told you that you got to put hazo on it as well, but you really don't. Really, minatoira, you don't need, maybe that's wasting some paraduma water, but you really don't need to put, if the carpenter had stopped using it, and let's say uh, a, a part, part of it was touched by the mace, <laughs> the guy died. And he had his hand on part of it, but not on the other part. Well, that's different uh, because that's actually a, um, yeah, because that's vosatuma. But let's say it would be an Avatuma from a mace touched, let's say, or let's say part of it was in the room and part of it wasn't in the room. So technically, you wouldn't have to do Hazza on both parts. Because the part that was uh, was shleibershas melacha, it's really considered two kalim, and only part of it became tam. And That's what tells, I think it's maybe with Rishon to speak about how this could happen. But anyway, the whole thing is only mitarabanan, and that's why there's a dip, that's why it really, as we say, Let's read it again. because beshas is one Kali. So I explained it wrong. Let me explain it better. Really, you wouldn't have to, you would need Hazo on both parts. But we said even if it became tome while the barber was using it, we, we say that when it gets, when it's time to be metardus, do Hazo on both parts. Really, again, I, I misinterpret this. I'm going to explain this better. What happened was someone died in the room. And the barber had finished cutting the hair already and it was sitting there waiting and it was already time to close up shop. And then the guy dies. So everything in the room is Tomei and you have to, in a, all the K-Wim need Hazor. But since the barber had stopped using it, technically you would need to do Hazor on, and you do always do Hazor on both parts of the scissors even though they haven't been disconnected because it's like two separate caleb. It's as if they were separate. It's like the barber chair uh, uh, and, 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 the, and the bottle of, uh, I don't know, of, of alcohol, whatever it was that, that, that he uses to put on the guy's face. Even though they're now scissors connected, technically, they're like two different caleb. And because of that, you, when you take these things to the mikvah, and, and when you take these things to the mikvah, and before that, when you do, you sprinkle paraduma water, you would obviously need paraduma water in every single caleb in the house. So so therefore, you would need to put haza on each part of the scissors. So we are gozer even if the guy dies while he's in the middle of giving haircuts. And therefore, it's considered one Kaylee now. We still say do haza on both parts because it's not so clear the difference. And therefore, we are machai do haza, even though technically you don't have to. I hope I explained that okay. Now, what do we say in the Mishnah? We said in the Mishnah there are certain types of material that you're going to do Hatmana with, and certain types of material that you should not do Hatmana with. The stuff that the Mishnah mentioned was the stuff that Erev Shabbos you don't do Hatmana with, because putting the warm kugel, whatever it is you're cooking, inside this thing is actually going to cause it to be most of Hebel, it's going to cause it to get warmer and too hot. And that's even though you're not doing it on Shabbos, we're afraid that if you do that, you might decide to use real hot coals and that would be a problem because then you wouldn't be able to resist uh, fiddling around with them on Shabbos itself. So because of that, we put a limit on what you can wrap your uh, food around with. And what did we say in the Mishnah? In the Mishnah, we said that if certain materials, if they are wet, they're a problem. If they're dry, they're not. So the Gemara says, What's What do you mean by wetness? You had grass and you had other stuff and you had uh, uh and 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 teben. What where's the wetness coming from? Is it lachen machmas atzman? Is it because like you know it's 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 it, the wetness is within itself or dilma lachen machmas the Maybe it got wet for water spilled on it or something else. In other words, the natural wetness because it was like freshly taken uh, grass, so maybe there. I understand the wetness is in in the grass itself from when you cut it. But let's say some water spilled on it, maybe that would not be Moshe Pebel. So let's see. Tashma, Brisa, which is always a good cousin of the Mishnah, which helps explain the Mishnah. It says, All right. The Lo Okay. Those are those uh, leftover wine pieces, uh, great material. The Lo Okay, that's the soft materials from clothes that have been uh, uh, run down already, and the strips are there, whether they're silk or cotton or whatever it is. The lobat sovin, and not with grass. bisman shechein lachin. All of those should not be used to wrap around hatman on Arab Shabbos if they are wet. So we are If you're going to say that wetness is even a problem, if it's from some spill that's not from its natural wetness from the ground or wherever its origin is from, shabir. Now, I understand. Why? Because these pieces of clothing, uh these little strips that used to be part of someone's clothes, these soft materials that we said yesterday, a lot of people use them as felt to 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 to, to, to stuff in their hats and stuff like that, they don't have natural wetness. <laughs> so obviously wetness could be, no matter how they become wet, even though it's not from somehow the natural juices from where they come from. When these items get wet, somehow some chemical reaction occurs that when, that they can cause the food that's wrapped around in it to become hot. If you say it's the, the, the wetness that comes from itself, then where could you find uh, pieces of, 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 of wool, pieces of cotton, pieces of, uh, of, of, of flax or linen that have a wetness from themselves? They've been made into clothes already. Versus not necessarily, because you know what? You could have some wool that was like stuff that was left over from your sweater and you know where it comes from? Mi marta de bene atme. Says Rashi, what does that mean? In other words, this was a piece of wool, and you didn't end up really using it. Where's its natural wetness from? Because where'd you get that wool? It wasn't such clean and hygienic wool that you sheared off of, you know, the sheep's back. You got this from in between where the sheep's thighs are. Aha! Shumolei like you can imagine, it's all wet over there and sweaty. And therefore, it stays that way. So it still has some of that natural wetness in it. And that's what we were talking about in this prisa, and maybe even the Mishnah as well, that we're talking about when it's wet from its own natural origin place. Hmm, okay. The tani rava'oshia tomnin b'ksus yevesha. Aha, you can use a uh, a blanket that's old, and some old fruits and stuff, but not with a blanket or a cover that's wet. What are you going to tell me with how do you have a blanket that is wet and it's from its own natural origin of wetness? So where do you have wetness that comes into the blanket from its own self? says, you know where? Mi Marta de It could be this was a blanket that was stitched together from the wool that came from the sweaty thigh area of the, of the animal, and it stayed that way. I don't know how old it is, but it can still have that wetness in it. Maybe that's what we're talking about. It, it, it's a blanket, and it got worked on, but you can still feel the wetness. I can still feel that wetness of... of uh, I can still feel that wetness uh, even in the uh, processed blanket. Next Mishnah. Aha, we just learned. <laughs> you can do Atmana with a shush. It can't be one that's wet, though, as we just saw. But you can use Atmana. This is an Arab Shabbos Atmana. You can use a blanket. Linus is happy about that, or not happy. And you can use Peyros, we just learned. And Kanfeyona. You can use the wings of a dove, all right. In other words, the dove's feathers. Okay, the dove's probably not alive anymore, but if you got them, you could use them. So what's a chayrish? A chayrish? Not a chayr? Not a person who can't hear? A kharash is somebody who is a, 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 a guy who saws, a guy who carp does carpentry work, and he's got stuff. Uh, uh, he was sawing, sawing, and these little little pieces of avak a little piece of dirt dust on the Nesaurus, these, 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 these pieces, people work in their uh, workshop, know what I'm talking about. And that's when you start, when you've combed the flax pieces, also some of those pieces fall off. We know they make very good firewood. They burn very quickly. But those can be used. Daka though, when they are small pieces, Rabbi Yehuda Osir Badaka. Rita says, you know what? Um, I say you should not use a daka one because daka, I guess the smaller they are, the more intense it could actually cover the thing you're trying to cover, the tighter fit it has around the kogol pot. And therefore there's a problem of being Moshe But if it's gaso, if the pieces are thicker, so they don't generate such an intense, tight heat into the object. All right. One of the things we mentioned in the Mishnah
1: was Kanfei right? So, what does mean? Mosef Hebel
0: means, uh, Henry, that it causes a steam or a heat to permeate into the item. It's actually, in some ways, warmer than it was before. It actually is warm that we you can't do on Arab Shabbos. Okay, you, you cannot. Okay, so. One of the things mentioned here was Confeyona. Sounds like people like sort of felt it was there was it was like a, a sign of pride maybe uh to have a confeyona to have these confeyona in your house, to have these feathers. And let's see why again, and specifically why it would be a dove's feathers. So Amr Rabyana, said he came to the base Meddash, and he said, Tfilin streak and goof if you're gonna wear tfilin. And you're going to wear it all day, which is what you're supposed to do. Make sure your body is nooky. Kalisha Balkanafayim, like the famous Elisha Balkanafayim himself. And he, of course, was a great man. And he was somebody who we know would be very careful about him and his filling. Umar says, okay, that's what I said. Umar uh, says, Umar uh, uh, says, Mahi. what was it that Rabjian meant about goof nuki? Like, what did it mean? Like to take a shower before you put him on? I said, no. It means that you've got to be careful, even though, as we know, sometimes, I guess maybe this is one of the advantages of, not, of being in Coronaville. We we're not around people in shul and we can smell uh, their flatulence. But we know even if, if it's your own, in your own uh, uh, taladamus, you're careful that you're not going to uh, pass gas while you're wearing tefillin. And as long as you're wearing tefillin, you're going to hold it in. And if you really need to, you'll take the tefillin off. So that's what Guf Noki means. Rava Amar, he says, I think what it means is something a little bit different. I don't think it means that you, right? Um, Rava says, Shavu yishan that you should not be sleeping with them. That's the idea. Now is Rava arguing with Abaya on this point? Let's take a look at Rashi. Rashi says, Sh- Rashi says, um, what does it mean? He says, what does it haruach. That when it happens and you're feeling it, you can have the physical, I don't know what dexterity it is, but the physical dexterity to not like not to submit to the common feeling is to just okay, just let it out. But you can actually hold it in. Now, which means that obviously you have to take it off if you see that it's uh, uh it's uncontrollable. And the other thing is that from here uh we have uh the halacha not to put the film on a child. Right? Normally we talk about the idea of chinoch, right? There's a chinoch set. Like you want to buy a, a chinoch set of David Minim. Most people think that means it's puzzle. No, it's not puzzle, it's just not Mahudr. But there's still an idea of being machanich, your your eight, nine, ten year old with uh with Dawid Minim. Now again obviously it's within reason. If you don't have the money, it's another thing. But there is an idea of of, of being machanich, your children in the midst of of, of Dawid Minim. Mechanach them in many mitzvahs. Why, don't, why aren't Mechanach children in tefillin? Right? Why not? It's a tremendous mitzvah, important mitzvah. we're going to see here in, in the Gemara today. So one of the reasons is is because we don't think they can actually do this knocky business, what Abai is saying. They don't have, either they think it's funny or whatever it is, but the point is is that that type of self-control we don't think children have, even when they get to be 9, 10, or 11, and therefore, we wait till their bar mitzvah very close to it uh, to do that. Actually, in Yemen, that wasn't that way. Uh, uh, the Te Manim never had a messiah not to put tefillin on younger children, and they actually did. There's many images and pictures and, and rec- records of the, the Yemenites, the Taymanim, uh allowing their, uh, their, their young children, even at the age of 10, 11, uh, to walk around with tefillin. Uh, because the Gemara never says you, you can't. just have to have Gufnoki. Maybe the Yemenites are more disciplined is that way. Again, my experience with the Yemenites tells me that might be true. So let's go on. So, 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 right, let's look at Rashi. Because then you can't control in other words, yeah, Rav is also concerned, but Rav is not concerned about, uh, as you're going to see in a minute, when you're awake, we expect you to have that self-control. When you're asleep, then you're not in control. In other words, if you can be careful that you don't nod off, you don't have narcolepsy, you don't like just nod off all the time, then we're okay with you wearing tefillin because we know you're not going to fall asleep. But Rebbe says, I'm not worried about what Abai is worried about. Abayah is more machmer. He says we should, we should take it away from, pe- from, from people who feel flatulence coming on, right? Because he says, Because, come on, everybody can do it. We don't have to make such a big deal about it. What we're talking about is people who find themselves going to sleep or needing to take naps. Those are the people that should be careful about wearing tefillin. That's what Rabbiani meant. According that's the Machlokas Abaya and Rova. Okay. Amai about Balknafaim, when they talked about the paragon of the mitzvah Tvillon, why did they call elisha the Balknaphaim? Of wings or feathers. Shapamachas Gozra Malchus Romer Show Xero It happened the Romans made it zero. She, what was the exageration? Many and They didn't see, but if they all saw you walking around with a tefillin what would they do? They would drill your head,
1: drill into your
0: brain. By Alisha manicham. but Elisha didn't care. And interesting, why he did that? Well, he was going against. A, it was a shas ha-shmad. maybe he felt shas ha-shmad. He needs to make a point. So what did he do? He walked with the tefillin. In the street, the Yetzelushuk, he was in the marketplace where Goyim and Jews saw him. And of course, a Goy happened to be there, and he knew probably knew that was going to happen. A castor saw him, a general, a, a, a German, a guy with a gun. Didn't have a gun, but still a dangerous guy. What happened? mipanov. Uh-oh, he didn't, he didn't say, I'm ready to die for this. He started running, Elisha. Ratsacharov. And what happened? The Costa's running after him. Imagine all these running shows, like they're all running. But obviously, the Costa was faster. Kevin Cheguio, it's low. The Costa got there close to him. So, what did Alicia do? Alicia, before the Costa was able to touch him, he whips his hand onto his head. Not only Rosho, but Ochsen Biodo. And he's holding with his hand. He says, What do you got there, Alicia? What do you got there in your hand? You got tefillin? You know, if, if it is, I'm going to take you and we're going to kill you. Amarlow, kanfei No, all I've got is is dove wings. That's all I got. I've got some dove wings. Poshad he opens up his hand. The tzu kanfei And there actually was dove wings there. Aha. because of that miracle, Kairin HaYisoy, because he's the one that was able to somehow, helped him and was able to transform the tefillin into dove wings or dove feathers. Why is it that, that why was it that Kodesh Baruch in the miracle made the tefillin turn into kanfeyon? Obviously Elisha thought that as well, but clearly there's something why Elisha said it and why God's miracle adjusted to that because he because he actually wanted to say something that was a sort of a truth. Mishum de imtokneses Yisrael because Klau Yisroel is like the dove itself. And as the Pasuk and Tilum says, kan feyona, we're like the nechba bekesef. What does that mean? We're the Yona, and we've got these wings. And these wings... That we have the, these wings and feathers is, in a sense, uh, almost like a silver wings that are strong, like silver. Why? Because Just like when it comes to a dove, its wings protect it. Its wings and its feathered pinions protect it. mitzvos maginas And what is the symbol of our mitzvos? Tzvillin. Tzvillin is that physical symbol of all mitzvahs, and therefore, it's like the wings and pinions of the dove, and it's the dove of Knesset Israel. That's us. Rashi here, once again, shows his incredible knowledge of animals, especially
1: birds. Let's take a look. Knafe Maginus Aleho. Minatsina. First of all, the dove
0: can stay out in cold weather because it's got thicker feathers that protect it. But it also protects it from any other bird that attacks it and from some human that's trying to come and grab it. What does he do? He fights with the with its pinions and its wings. And it and it hits its enemy with the tip of its wing, with the tip of its of its wing. Take that, take that. Mashenke and Bisharo. plus other birds, they go with their beaks, right? Other birds they peck you, right? Or they are they or they jump up and with their with their uh claws they uh they, they try to fight. But the dove fights with its wings. How did Rashi know that? Rashi obviously had done some bird watching and it's
1: obvious that he knew how they worked. All right, next part of the Gemara. In the we said that when you are doing that, you can take these wood
0: chips that are coming from the uh, coming from the carpenter. That those are not considered; those are considered okay to wrap your warm uh, kugel pot in. So you Rabbi Huda. Remember what he said? He said they can't. They said they have to be uh, they have to be gasa. They can't be these thin pieces which ones were is he talking about a or because if you look in the mishnah the mishnah the mishnah wasn't clear the mishnah says you are allowed to use to the Tanakhama, the service of and then it only says the word daka when it comes to pishton, or but maybe right maybe what Rabbi Yehuda was saying is that that, that he's arguing on, on 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 both because it could be when it comes to Harshim, the Tanakhama says you can use all you can use all types. Right? Now or Pishdan he's trying to say also that you can even use Dhaka. And Rabbi Yehuda is arguing. But is he even arguing when it comes to Harshim or only Pishton? So let's see what the Gemara says. Iboyuda on the Sarharshankoi on the Over Shall We know he's clearly going on Pishtun, but is he going on both? Toshma, the Tadir Rabuda, No Air Shall Pishton Daka Aha Hare Hu Kzevo. The only thing he came and made a statement about was the stuff from the flax pieces, not the stuff from the wood chips. Sh'ma no, the only thing that he thinks is a problem is the original pishton koi. But when it comes to the um, when it comes to the uh, stuff from the carpenters' uh, slices, they can be even thin, and Rabiuta would allow that. Next, Mishnah. That you can use shlochen. What is shlochen? Sounds like a good Yiddish word. Shlochen. Shlochen. It says, Rashi, it's skins. the Because basically when you strip the skins, you send them down in a, in a vertical one shot motion. So therefore skins became known as shlochen. Because when you, when you skin animals, you sort of like strip it right down. So it's like you sent it down on a trip down. That's why we call it shlochen. So skins became known as shlochen. So you're able to take these animal skins. Remember, they had animal skins all over the place. They always ate fresh animals and slaughtered animals. So they had a lot of animal skins around, a lot of pieces of animal skins. So you can actually wrap your kugel pot in that. And not only that, you're able to do what? You're able to move them. They're not muxa. You can also do hatamana. With the wool shearings, but those ain't matalumly son. Why? Because of muksa. Because remember the wool shearings—they're going to make something. You're going to sell it. You're going to stuff something with it. So even though, as we mentioned yesterday, the fact that you use it once doesn't mean it's not muksa anymore. The kizay tzemer—that's what's the question we had yesterday. Okay, and that was the question: how we well, aren't once you use it, does it make it non-muksa now or not? But there is a, a, a way to learn that they might be considered muksa even after you used it. But that's not the case when it comes to the Schlochen. The Schlochen are Muksa, whether you use it or not Muksa, whether you use it or not. Kizitzemer i it depends how you learn we did that in yesterday's Gemara. So now K what is a standard way to do Hatmana and not get into a problem of muksa? We'll see. In other words, basically, the problem is um, you know that you've put possible muksa items all around uh, the pot, right? You put muksa items all around the pot. Now, you're, still, you're not going to throw those out, as we saw yesterday. So they're muksa definitely for their Shabbos. So how are you going to get the pot out? So what you do is you take the the top of the pot, the kisui of the pot, which is a keli. So it's on top and you, you, you take the top off and and the, the top is rising above. The, the, the top is not covered by the, the, the little pieces of tzemer. And then when you take the top off, hay no float, then the stuff on the sides falls. And since the stuff on the side has fallen, now you can lift this thing out and it's not a problem of moving mux anymore. Rabbi Lesnar ben Omar, he says, I think that um, in general, I want to just add another thing you need to do. The kupa, this box, mutta uh, shift the box on its side, tilt the box over on its side, the no till and then the 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 top the of the kugel the the, uh, the the
1: the covering of the kugel pot will will fall off, and then you'll take what you need. Why? And then tilt it back. Okay, and this way you don't take the whole pot out.
0: Why? Because maybe what you might do if you do it normally, if you don't tilt it. You might think, oh, I'm just going to lift this whole thing out of here. And once you lift the whole thing out of here, you're going to see you don't need all that cholent. You don't need all that kugel. And you're not going to be able to put it back. Why can't you put it back? Because you've got all the muksa items around it. And you're not, it's, it's Shabbos already. You're not going to be able to repack it. So, therefore, the practical eights or Vosub gave was to put it on its side. you know what? It's all right. No tail here. We'll see why. Rashi's already points out why. Uh, if you take it back, aren't you re re? It's not a question of chazorah, of because of, of, there's no fire here. It's not like on Shabbos that you're putting it back in the oven or warming it up, but it's impractical,
1: right? Um I'm says, No, you can still do it, and it's seemingly you can still wrap the stuff around it. So.
0: Yosef, Rab Yonatan ben Achinay, Reb Yonatan ben Elazar. Two Yonansons, two Yonatans. I think we have Yonatan here too today, and I wish I had my little Yonatan here also, but maybe one day he'll listen to this. Yatib, Rab Yonatan ben Achinay, Reb Yonatan ben Elazar. These two Yonatans. The Yosef, Reb Hanina Barchama, Gabayu. And Hanina Barchama was right by them. The Koma Voilu, and these two Yonatans had a question. Shlokhen, Shabalabai, is Tanan. what does Shlokhen mean? Shlokhen means of the Balabos. Right, About a boss, a regular Jew happens to have a bunch of animal skins. Avul uman, if he's someone who doesn't just have animal skins around from all the animals he slaughtered and from all the barbecues he made, he's got them there. As Rashi says, Omedes lemochron. He's going to what? He's going to sell them and have them look nice. So, can the uman use them on Shabbos? Are they muksa for the uman? Are they considered muksa mach and kiss? It's part of his job even though Rashi says they clearly could make nice things to sit on, but maybe in the uman's house, that would be considered
1: muksa. That was the question. Right? So, so let's take
0: a look. So let's see it again. What was the question? It can even be of an uman. And even an uman's skins can be moved. So one of the Yonatan said, I would say this Mishnah that you can use the skins to cover the kugel, a kugel pot is for a bababos. I know they're, they're
1: very picky about it. It's mukza and you can't use it. Um, okay. And I guess the problem is where it's like, right? We'll find out. Rabbi says, Listen, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Rabbi said, Now let's go to the next page. Abba Shlokha Havi. My
0: father was a Shlokha. My father was a guy who worked on stripping animals, the famous Rabbi Yossi. <laughs> but Omar, he used to say, and even when he wasn't selling them, he would say, hey, let's go sit on this stuff. So you see, it's it's the woman is just like a boss. He's got them around the house. So therefore, the item, even on Shabbos, is not muksum Mesveh, is that true? In other words, even something an umen might sell, but if they're just lying around his, his room or his house, he doesn't consider it mukso. What about this case? Let's say you have these uh, pieces of wood. that The baba boss was working on some project in the backyard, but he's obviously not an expert carpenter, and he's got these pieces of wood. You're allowed to move them on Shabbos. They aren't considered necessarily building materials. But if it's from a uman, it's from a professional carpenter. He he has that to sell. Ain't metalton lasan. But, let's say you're thinking, hey, these are perfect. I've got about 20 people coming. I can just put the bread on this and then the waiter comes out and he he, he puts the chalas on top of this uh, flat piece of wood and serves it. So it's like a serving item. So then, then you could move it. So what do you see? You see that when he has these pieces of wood around the house, uh, the carpenter considers them muksa. So why is that different than the tanner or the guy who strips pieces of skin? Know. You know what? Shiny, avu, shiny and the Those could get ruined. And that's the reason why you have to have uh, a special machashab on them because those get ruined a lot easier than skins. Okay. How about this? Tashma oros. When it comes to skins, leather, Whether you've actually worked on them, getting ready to be, uh, getting ready to turn into real leather, that you've you've worked on them with special material in your hands, and they're now soft, or they're just raw. What's the din? Mutar with You're allowed to move them on Shabbos. Uh huh. Well, Amr Ravudin, even though we know there's a difference between working on them and not working on them, that's only being in Tuma Bilvad. That's only whether they have a shame kelly to be tumah. Tuma. That they only have a shame kelly to be Tuma only when, only when they've been worked upon and people can sit on them. So what do you see? You see that you're always allowed to move stripped pieces of, 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 of skin, uh, the skins of an animal. So now my love, does this mean for everyone even a person who is a profession who sells the stuff? Who's a professional at stripping them and sells nice beautiful pieces? Well, that Mishnah, that Bryce is talking about bay bayis. An umen you're telling me a An umen you're going to tell me you're not allowed to move it? Then again, then the Bryce uh, is somehow structured awkwardly and incorrectly. Ihochi, the whole price is about that we'll look at the price
1: again. The price is telling you that um whether they are whether they have been worked on or not, whether they have been
0: the, the, the skins and the hides have been worked on or not, you're allowed to move them this that there's a difference between being worked and not worked is about tuma. So this phrase is really a not Shabbos phrase. It's really it's telling you if you've ever heard a distinction in this, that distinction is not relevant to Shabbos. It has a relevance only in a different sphere of Jewish law in terms of Tuma. So the idea was it's basically the same for Shabbos, but it's different than the laws of Tuma. That's the way the teacher taught the lesson. But if there was a difference in Shabbos itself... That would have been the more, the better way to teach it. If it's true, they have to give you that whole phrase that sometimes being worked upon makes a difference, but that's only as far as Tumah. Why bring in a total separate subject explain it in the subtle way within Shabbos itself. But when do we say the idea of Muksa doesn't apply and it's not Muksa no matter what, whether it's been worked upon or not, that's b'shal balabayis. Abba b'shal uman lo. But when it comes to an uman, then it is considered muksa. So that would have been the better way to teach it and without bringing in the foreign idea. So the Gemara says, you know what, that's not such a question. Because this is a Mishnah that's teaching for balabatim. It's about bias. That's what the Mishnah is about. And we want to tell you, even in a bias. And therefore, it's like a Mishnah for Balabais, for a Balabat, or a balabos. So therefore, we don't want to bring in an umen. Okay, so Kul Babalabayis, Kamari. Okay, so we still don't know. So we're still not sure exactly. Uh, we're going with the supposition that it's not mukza, the oiros. right? Nasar might be, but the Oiris aren't. Okay, Kitanoi. Orusha Balabayis, Metaotu and if it's in a regular guy's house, so even on Shabbos, uh, the Baal is thinking about using them to sit on the ground with, not a problem. There's a woman though, but in a woman's house, it's Muxa Machmas Chisor and Kis, Ein Metaltum son. And Rabbi Yossi, Lushitoso, as we saw before, who was an woman himself, he said, Echad zeh, veechad zeh, son. Rabbi Yossi, who was quoted before, Lushitoso, in his own life, he already showed he didn't care as an woman but the Chachamim, I guess, disagreed, and uh, I guess we pass like the Chachamim in this case. How do become a Then these two Yonatan's had another question. This that we say that there's thirty nine melochos, Can I get me? Where did he get thirty nine from? I mean, a lot of those sound pretty similar, right? A lot of those, right? It says Ratosus, "The I mean, that's rare uh, maracade. You know, uh, why are those different? that right? those, right? Those, those are, you're separating stuff. So why is one different? Then you're separating uh, solid from this, food from not food. Just call them one thing. Because Zorah is like like when you throw the wheat up and the wind separates it. Isn't that Borah? Isn't that Merakade? Why did we make everybody nuts coming up with the exact differences between them? We should, It's all us or anyway. So why should we say, right, and, and it comes out, you have to give Asra for the right thing too. It comes out of Bignab Kamina. You have to give Asra for the Malocha. Or if you give Asra for the wrong Malocha, then you're not going to be high You won't get skill from that. The man's life can be saved based on these subtle differences. Why do those subtle differences exist in the first place? That's the Umar's incredible question. So, Omar Reb Connected to because one of the key principles that we know with our tradition is that Shabbos is based on Melachas Amishkan. Aha, Amar Vehu Rabbi Yehuda The truth is, this is what you said, Chani Nebrachama. We heard a different shot. What was that? Kach Amar Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Yisai ben Lakunya connected Melacha, Melachto, Melachot to Shabbat Torah. If you go through the Torah and you count. Every time it says, Malacha, malachto, malachet, malachet, you're going to find 39 mentions of it. And the Torah, by writing that, that's how we know that it's 39 melachas. Now, all the Rishonim say, it's, they, they, they took out the Sefer Torah and they didn't find it. It seems to be more, it seems to be much more than 39. But anyway, it was based on some way
1: it was written in the Torah. And from there, they got the hint from the Torah that it's 39 Milochos. Okay. Boy, Rabbi Yosef. So Rabbi Yosef wants to know, based on the second
0: interpretation of 39 times, Rabbi Yosef did a little bit of calculations. He says, what about this passage that talks about Yosef coming in with Eshah's Potipar? ba Yobo Yosef's coming into his house to do his malocha. Is that one of the thirty-nine? Mimin Yonahu, low. Um, Amar really, Abai. Abai said, "Rebbe, what's the big question? It's all based on the numbers. Let's get the let's get the book out and count the laces. terumah. They get the Sefer terumah and start counting. We know in another case also uh, where there was a question about, hey, let's see what's true and not. We take out a separate terumah." So if this is one of the 39, obviously it counts. Amr lehu, he said, Amr so he told Abaye, he said, I'll tell you why I have a suffix here. Because I know there's actually one more. There's 40. Mishum d'chsev, it says over there when it talks about Malachas HaMishkon, when it talks about the Malachas HaMishkon, when it talks about the fact that they they kept on bringing, it says that the, after the when they were bringing stuff in Parshas VaYakil PeKudei, when they were bringing stuff, it says Dayam. right. There was so much they would already they'd already overdone things. There also says the word Malachah, so I'm not sure which one to count: the one by that one by Yosef or the
1: one by the finishing of the Mishkan. So the Gemara says that what?
0: but command the Yomar, and the first one, didn't mean Yosef had to do Melocha in Potiphar's house. <laughs> he was going in with the possible thoughts of actually fooling around with Asia's Potiphar. That's why he went. He fought the Yetzirah, but originally his machshava was actually to uh, to do the deed. Oh, Dilma, what does V'yobo habaisa mean? He was actually innocent. Le'asos melachto, right? He was really just trying to do work in the house, and she was the one who tried to seduce him then, but he didn't have any thoughts of sleeping with her at that time. So maybe that is Miminyonahu. B'hai melachto he'sadayam, this that it says by the Mishkan, and the melacha was enough, hachikamar. doesn't mean they were actually doing melacha, like from the creative acts. Dishom le'avidito that they had finished their job. In other words, that they had finished bringing stuff, but not that, not that they had done all the malachas in building the mishkan, that everybody had helped, and, and, and everyone had done their work in terms of building the mishkan. It means malochah, he said, I am the bringing stuff was over, but it doesn't mean necessarily
1: that it's the idea of malachah itself, right? Rashi points out, Uh, the Malocha mamish would be to, to, to hit the
0: metal, uh, to, to take the silver and, and, and draw it out. That was real malochos, right? Whereas the other malochah is, is that they were just bringing stuff. And that's, that it just means, it doesn't necessarily mean uh, the malocha of, of any specific malochah. It, it just means they, they had brought everything that was necessary for the job to get done but it doesn't mean a specific malocho that was finished. That was the subject that they had, and on that, the Gemara says, Teku, what napkamina is here, I'm not sure, but there is a subject here, What, which one we count. So there is a b'raisa that says that this is all about The b'raisa says clearly that it's all about Lining up and understanding how they put the Mishkan together, Haim Zaru. They needed to plant Atem LeTzru. Why did they need to plant? They needed to plant because in order to get the dyes that were necessary to dye the, the 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 coverings of the Mishkan, they needed to get the dyes planted. So that was they needed they needed to plant those 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 babies in order to eventually crush them and turn them into dye. That's where you have Zariah in the Mishkan. Atemotizru. Kualyastro, you don't do that either. katsru. Then they had to go harvest all those plants that they had grown in order to create the dye, in order to dye the material. Atemotizru. Hey Akroshim Mikarkawa when they were putting the Mishkan together, what did they have to do? They had to take the beams and put them onto the Agalah. Well, where the beams were on the ground, that was Rishus HaRabim. The Agalah was Rishushid. That was taken from Rishus HaRabim into Rishushid. Atem lo tachnishochit. Hayim Horidu was agola karka. They put the beams down. Atem lo That would be what the on top of the wagon is rishus The ground is rishurabim. Atem lo totziu rishurabim. Hey, motsiu me ago. But they also sometimes one levy would shift it over to the other levy. Now we know each agola stood more than ten tefachim. Each agola was rishus hayochid in itself. So they passed it over from one agola to the other. Atem te lo totziu rishus hayochid rishus The bride says you guys do not. Uh, be moshit, do not uh, shift over from one Rosh Hashayachah to the other. Versus 1 said, Rosh by There's no Isser going from one Rosh Hashayachah to another Rosh Hashayachah. It's not an Isser from the Torah. That's not what was happening in the Mishkan. What was happening in the Mishkan was the the, the, the Agalot were a little bit apart from each other and and there was a clear rishus between them. Says Rashi, Avir was rishus and that of course is the malacha that we call moshit. That therefore we can't do that either. Uh, and Rashi goes through all the other malachas that are found in the Mishkan, and Rashi says it's going to be a gemara coming up later. But you see that the thirty-nine malachas were based on replicating specific actions that were done in the Middash and that's how we came to uh, 39
1: Thanks for joining us for another episode from
0: the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode